Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Coming up on this episode of White Wine Question Time very difficult to research somebody that spent predominantly 20 years working undercover. <laughs> undercover, yeah, I know, it's difficult. There is a p- period of time there that's unaccounted for. One, I was discharged from the military, PTSD. That meant any job that my career would lend itself to, I couldn't get. We find out, like, 24 hours before, normally, officially. But get briefed up on who the celebs are. Then we'll do our little moment of fanboying where we're like, oh, no way. That's awesome. You know, I didn't. I was never taught how to have an argument. I was never taught how to find money I didn't have to pay a bill, deal with sick kids, divorce. Which is bizarre because I never saw myself as, as a hippie. It turns out I am. Welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a man who's risen through the ranks of the armed forces to serve first as a Marine, before going on to become, well, one of a handful of soldiers selected to serve in the Special Forces, an elite military unit, which saw him dropped into combat zones to undertake operations as a sergeant. Born and raised in Bedfordshire to a military family, his father had left the Marines by the time he was born. His tales of adventures at sea had clearly resonated. And when he became entangled in petty crime at school, he made the decision to straighten himself out and join the Marines at 16. After nine years, he applied to join the Special Forces as part of the Special Boat Service. And within months of doing so, 9-11 happened. And he was dispatched on missions in Afghanistan and then Iraq, where he witnessed the very best and very worst of war. 
recalls one day lying in a ditch under heavy fire, finding himself yearning for the simplicity of watching TV as a child on the sofa with his mum. It was a moment that would later be diagnosed as PTSD, leading to an abrupt end to his 20-year career as a soldier when he was discharged. At 36, he was thrust into civilian life for the first time since he'd been a schoolboy. And without the structure of the military, coupled with the end of his marriage, his mental health spiralled and things got so dark that for, well, for a moment he considered taking his own life. But all that changed when he secured a job advising television crews working in hostile environments. And when Channel 4 decided to launch SAS Who Dares Wins and were looking for leads to instruct contestants through special forces training, his name was put into the mix. The show sees him work alongside fellow Special Forces instructors and over the last nine years he's become the man crush of many, putting his skills from his time in service onto the screen. He's also become an outspoken campaigner for men's mental health, something he's explored in two best-selling books, Battle Scars and Life Under Fire, as well as his own podcast, Wild Tales, Book of Man. He's also made a critically acclaimed Netflix series, Meet the Drug Lords, The Real Narcos, where he met, as the title would suggest, real-life drug lords, the kind of men that he'd spent years chasing down as a soldier. And more recently on Channel 4, he's appeared in Fox's Fearless 48 Hours With, in which he spends 48 hours with the likes of Maya Jammer and Rob Delaney. In September this year, he married his partner, Jules Hawkins, a producer on SAS, and is the father of two children from his first and second marriages. With a new tour just announced for next year, Life at the Limit, his journey continues. So I'm excited to hear more. Let's dial him in, shall we? It's Jason Fox, Foxy. How are you? Wow, that was the best introduction I've ever, ever had. That was factually correct and very, uh, very well put. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> that was. That I tried was, so hard. It's really hard good. to fact check. It's really hard, as you know, yeah. um, to, to to find you know the fact from the fiction online, um, and that's fundamentally where we rely on our our research resources these days. And also, it's very <laughs> difficult to research somebody that spent predominantly twenty years working undercover. <laughs> undercover yeah i know it's difficult like that 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 there is a p- period of time there that's just unaccounted for and actually i disappeared to most people apart from my close family like school <laughs> friends all that and then literally when the tv thing came about they're all like that we wondered where you got to <laughs> yeah here i am hello see <laughs> <laughs> so, i mean obviously now you're selling out tours as we all know a tour to be, but a tour back in the day for you was something very different, wasn't it, Foxy? Yeah, it was um, normally six months away, zero or very, very little contact with anyone that um, cared about where you were and uh, involved long bouts of boredom interspersed with absolute horrific terror, which we all found a little bit of fun as well. Yeah, there we go. That was a tour back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I've listened to a, a, a lot of um, your books when you explain, you know, I think we all expect it to be like some sort of, you know, computer game, mm. a tour being dropped into Afghanistan. But like you say, there's a lot of sitting around, a lot of boredom. And then, the, the, then you see and deal with things that most human beings would never want to find themselves in the face of. So mm. it's that ex- the extremities of it as well that must be a lot to wrestle with. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it is. It is an emotional roller coaster, and um, mm. I think that's 
the biggest key to it is being able to understand that it is a roller coaster and you've just got to roll with it, uh, not try and fight it. It's it's interesting to hear that because the irony is is that emotionally you're dealing with this roller coaster, so that requires emotional intelligence, right? And we see you demonstrate that so eloquently over the last nine years on on the show when you're talking about psychological warfare, how your um, how your head is as much of um, a battleground sometimes as the battlegrounds that you find yourself in. And yet when you came out of service, your emotional intelligence and your in a, your ability to be able to deal with real life kind of, it was like sand running through your fingers. You just couldn't, you couldn't get the two to work, could you? Um, I don't think, I... <laughs> I don't think it's common. I think it happens uh, reasonably regularly, but I don't want to typecast all the guys that I've worked with because there's some people sure. that don't that don't that deal with it very well, and 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 I'll come to why I think they deal with it well in a minute. But ultimately, when it comes to emotions and managing them in those situations that you've just described, as in being away on tour as a soldier, I am actually taught very well how to deal with that i'm taught to be a soldier to a very high level it's the other stuff it's coming home and dealing with home life something none of us are taught to deal with or how to manage that massively gets a grip and like you know i didn't i was never taught how to have an argument i was never taught how to find money i didn't have to pay a bill deal with sick kids divorce like cars breaking down and it's that 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 sort of going into that, not knowing how to deal with it, that actually really does have an impact on you. Now I didn't know that at the time, but now when I reflect back on it, I'm like, yeah, that it is that. And then obviously the war fighting, the, the being a soldier is a catalyst. You know, it's quite stressful, so that's obviously it is going to have an impact. But I was taught to a certain degree to deal with that. It was it was the other mm. stuff I felt. You know, that's where I lacked emotional intelligence. That's where I lacked the ability to communicate to my other half. You know, I was taught to communicate really well in the military, and yet you come home and I'm like, uh, right, how do I uh, how do I deal with this situation? And uh, yeah, it's interesting because it sort of fell apart. Yeah, you you, you don't have the ability to answer back and create an argument in service, do you? So you probably didn't know how to have an argument or make a doctor's appointment because if you get sick in the army, there's a doctor on site. Or if your car breaks down, well, you don't ever really have a car, do you? You, you know, everything's done for you or around you. Yeah, everything's done for you. It's just the stuff on the outside. It's like, mm. I did have a car, it broke down and I'm like, ah, I ain't got the money to pay for it. It's like, oh <laughs> That is tricky. And mm. is this, is, this is all the stuff that you're sharing when you take the show out on the road next year, am I right? Yeah, it is. So the, the, the show is basically me stood on stage, um, gobbing off, telling stories, bringing them to life to an audience. And it sort of chronologically follows my life, but the backbone of it is my journey with mental health. Like I start mm. there somewhere in the middle, then we go back to the beginning, then we come back up and go through that and beyond and that you know there are some somber moments in the in the me chatting but there are a lot of funny moments as well because there's a lot of funny moments normally at my expense throughout my life which is good <laughs> um when you look out and um, from the stage tell me about the audience that come to a foxy show because i'm guessing there's a lot of men in leather jackets <laughs> what <laughs> i think you might be a bit of a man crush foxy no. Uh, it's very diverse, to be quite fair. 
Um, Is it? I've been surprised at the. Yeah, I think um, I've seen. There's, there's a. I tell you what. So I'm, I'm candid within it, and I do swear. It's not, you know, because that's the real me. And um, there's some young kids in there, which I sometimes get a bit, oh, no, I know there's a kid in there, they're going to hear me swear. But the worst is old people. Because then I, I, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like having your mum and, it's like having your mum and dad or your grandparents in there. And I'm, I'm very conscious of when I swear, <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, God, don't like. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, there's a mixed, mixed bag. There are a lot of blokes. Yeah, I'll give you that. I've not seen too many leather jackets flying around, thank God. Do you know, but, but listen, anybody that I've said that you're coming on the show, guys are like, oh, God, love him. There is definitely. And I'm not talking about, <laughs> you know, people having a, a, a sexual crush on you. They just really look up to you. They really, I think for a lot of men, you're the guy they'd like to think they could be or could have been. Could easily be, to be quite frank. <laughs> I'm, yeah, uh, Hopefully they'll never meet me and understand that I'm just this normal bloke that gets a lot of things wrong. <laughs> How are you finding your feet with um, everybody knowing who you are now, having spent 20 years having to fly below the radar, almost literally living in camouflage? Mm. Uh, that was a that was probably the biggest shock to the system. Difficult to difficult to know how to navigate, but. Fortunately, most people are really nice and have made it easy for me. But um, that was, yeah, I found that weird. I wouldn't have said I found it difficult. I just found it weird. And um, it's, you know, I suppose mm. you get used to it to a certain degree. But I mean, I live in London. No, no one cares here. Like, it's so busy. Everyone's got stuff to do. They're rushing around. <laughs> it's when I, you know, if you go out to smaller places, then you're a little bit more noticeable, I suppose. But even then... People are nice, thank God. What if there's one or two of you together from the show? That oh, must yeah. stop people in their That's tracks. like, yeah. That's like, uh, I don't know. People go... For... It's like seeing Ant and Deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Still haven't met them. <laughs> anyway, but... Um, yeah, no, it's it, like if there's me and Billy, the other guy, yeah, people are like, no way. He's like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. And then we get bombarded with loads of questions about people that have been on the show and how they thought they did and they thought we were unfair or, or something like that, yeah. It's quite, yeah, that's funny. That's a good bit of it. I have to say, I just watched the final with Gareth Gates and um, I was hosting Pop Idol when Gareth yeah. first walked onto screen 21 years ago and, you know, he was the kid that couldn't speak mm. but could sing and to watch him... In your final, I was like, well, look at how far he's come. Jeez. I absolutely love that bloke, yeah. It's quite something. He's a, I love him. He's brilliant. He did exceptionally well. I don't think... They didn't show enough, and they can't, but they didn't show enough of how good he really was on that. He was leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. Was he really? A very de Yeah, really, a really determined... I was going to say young man. He's not even a young man anymore. He's a grown, grown up. But, um, yeah, he was quality. He showed all the qualities that we looked for. Do you think he would have had a chance, you know, I mean, if, if he weren't the age that he is now, would he have had a chance at being selected? Um, I mean, the the speech thing would have been a drama yeah, if he was course. trying to talk on the radio. But um, I think he would have done, yeah. I think he definitely would have done. He um, mm. He's like, he's so selfless and always was there for other people 
He, yeah, he was a good, 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 solid oh, that's character. that's nice. One of my favourites on the show. That's nice. But also must be yeah. weird for you because we all, we all look at you as like, well, you're the SAS guys, right? You're the, you know, we look up to you. But equally, you have civilian lives and civilian existences. And you've probably at times had your own heads turned by some of the people that have been put under your care and instruction. Yeah. Um, it's been, I mean, we've had, yeah, we've had people come on. We're like, ah, no way. Can't believe that they're they really? you know yeah they're on. Um, but when you're giving them a bee sting, we don't imagine you like having a cup of tea with no, Billy and Ollie going. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Have you seen who's in? Well, <laughs> we sort of we'll have we'll have that discussion before we start. So we'll get what we'll find out. We find out like 24 hours before normally officially. So we'll be wherever we'll get this. We'll get briefed up on who the celebs are. Then we'll do our little moment of fanboying where we're like, oh no way. That's awesome. Or, oh my God, I can't believe that person's on. <laughs> then we get it out of our system and then we go into the show professionally. So we, we're like, right here, we're here, we're here, we're here to do a job. Don't care who it is, they're, they're getting it or not, as the case may be. Depends. But um, yeah, no, we, we sort of, we have a little, ah, can't believe they're on. And then that's it, it's done. Love that. Well, like you, I'm here to do a job and I've got three questions for you, Jason. So Ooh. do you mind if I jump in? Yeah, let's go. My first question for you, Foxy. You've said before that a diamond is created under pressure. So mm. what have been the moments uh, that litter your own life journey that have really tested you? How did you navigate them? And ultimately, like a diamond, how have they enabled you to shine, do you think? So, as with diamonds, diamonds are created from dirt and dark earth and stuff that has been before. And... Mm. All, you know, all that stuff that comes under pressure, you know, all gets forced together, creates a diamond, a little bit of science. And um, all the stuff that has hopefully made me shine has been the dark moments. There's times when I've either failed mm. or um, had moments that are quite, I don't know, depressing or sad. Uh, it can range from anything from like being in the military and failing something and sort of trying to deal with that failure and bounce back from it and then go again, you know, and I've failed at stuff. You know, I, there's a couple of things when I was in recruit training that I messed up and there was something on selection, you know, on the, in the, uh, for the special forces, you know, you, you, you don't go through it unscathed and it's those moments that mm. you sort of reflect on and, and try and learn what went wrong to then bounce back and do it right. But then ultimately the, the one thing that I am very, well, I am actually glad that I went through, but also proud that I went through it is my my um, journey with mental health because it was hard and I never thought I'd ever be exposed to something like that. I actually never believed in it. I didn't believe that there was such thing. I thought that's a load of rubbish. You know, you just got to get on with it. And then the next thing you know, I'm eating a big old slice of humble pie because I found myself in a pit and I needed to dig myself out of it. So that was the that is the the most pressurized moment there's many you know being out on the battlefield and being scared and you know you alluded to one of them being in the ditch and thinking about mum and watching top of the pops on the sofa as a 10 year old because that was a safe place yeah they they're very poignant and they they have their place but they all led to that dark moment that was being in you know being in a really bad place and it was that that was the 
defining moment for me about using all those negative things to turn them into positive and then become a more understanding person of myself. Did you talk much around that time? Did you talk to anybody um, before no. you went and got professional help? No. Yeah. I um, I clammed up. I was embarrassed. I didn't speak to anyone. I cut myself off from my mates, from the mates in the military. And it was bizarrely um, two people I didn't really know. that They, they showed me... Um, some affection. There was a guy that gave me a job in the business that I was in at the time and I didn't do that justice, but he gave me a job and he said, look, just have this job. And there was a person within that job who always looked out for me. Now, I didn't know them that well. I know them well now, but they had the empathy and the kindness to just keep reaching out and keep helping me move in a direction that was going to be beneficial for my own headspace. And it was the guy that gave me the job that then set me on this journey of finding a professional to help me as I suppose as clinical psychologist that's who I found initially then I found someone who else was a coach and it was through their you know caring nature that helped me find a way through it but ultimately weirdly it wasn't the people that you thought would be there that I turned to it was just ran more more like random people they weren't random but they weren't close but sometimes they're put in your path, aren't they, for a reason? And yeah, um, yeah, definitely. That, that person that you're talking about, they were obviously very persistent in their kindness, right? Yeah, very much so. And a clinical psychologist is is kind of a big place to start. So, what were the powers of persuasion that that person had that made you open to that? Because if you didn't believe in therapy, going in at a sort of clinical psychology level is quite, you know, that's the deep end. Yeah. Um... So basically, the guy that gave me the job, Andy, he's an MD. He was the MD of this business. He he was like, mate, you, I can see that you're struggling. I don't know how. I've, I must have had a look on my face or just the way I held myself. And he was, I'm going to help you. And he said, we're going to go on this journey and we're going to, you know, find the right person. And he basically allowed me through the benefits that he had in the business. Not that I was entitled to them. He used his benefits to help me find. Um, this this person now I've met a few so like people private healthcare yeah yeah like private healthcare that came with you know the the package and um and I couldn't afford I, there's no way I could have afforded it I didn't you know the job I had a lot of things going on and um you know I met a few people they weren't right and he said look it doesn't matter if they're not right we'll just keep going we'll, we'll find another person and uh, I met this this lady called Alex clinical psychologist she was and is she still is we're friends now we, we sort of do business together um she really yeah but that's 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 another that's a separate thing that came years later i'd lost touch with her from yonks and mm-hmm. then came about but anyway met her and she was like you know we did a couple of a few sessions in a in a clinical room and i was like i ate this I just can't be in this. And she was like, well, that's great because I'm actually going to get kicked out of here soon. We, you know, we've got to find a new place. And I was like, look, I, don't, I want to be outdoors. And she goes, well, that suits me. And I thought, oh, this is all right. You know, anyway, we used to, we then, you know, progressed on and went for walks in the woods and t- talked about stuff and explored stuff. And, you know, I liked it, connected, did well out of it. And she'd said the right things to help me and move in the right direction. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's so much power in 
taking you out of a room and sticking you in nature, right? Just like going for a walk with a f- with somebody and talking feels normal. Sat in a room yeah. talking at somebody doesn't. And That's horrible. You probably felt far more open to working with her just by getting out of that room. I would have thought. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, even I mean, she's a clinical psychologist, but she's quite holistic as well in her sort of approach to things which I think worked well for me which is bizarre because I never saw myself as as a hippie it turns out I am in disguise there we go are you really well I don't know maybe just without the long hair and the split (laughs) (laughs) um what did she unlock in you um she taught me to be accepting of stuff life And she showed me that we need to be more present. We and I was at that moment in time, and I've I've been very good at being present before that. When I was in the military, it's like it's what gets you through those difficult times is being present and understanding there is no then or thereafter because the only thing that's real is now. But after you know, or going through that phase of poor mental health I became so obsessed with the past and worried about the future because of the past that I wasn't present ever I was like this shell of an individual that just stared through people I think because I was thinking of other things that weren't real and she was able to get me to realize that and um, yeah it made a big difference how are you connecting past events to... Were you catastrophizing over things that had gone wrong and how they might impact your future? Is that is that where you were? I think there was a lot. It's very... It's kind of... Yeah, it's complex. But I was looking back at everything, like decisions made, the way I acted, the way I came across, uh, how I was in work life, how I was in personal life. You know, I was... You know, I was probably quite angry at times. I, you know, through the pure nature of the job, I was probably aggressive with regard to the way I project, projected myself. Um, at work, definitely, you can get away with it there. But I was just, I don't, I don't think I was a great. Although you know, I mean, me and my mates, we had a great time. But I just don't think I was. I was very, I was absent. You talk about. Anger and aggression there, but you always, I've, I've heard you say before that as a soldier, as a, serving in the special forces, mm. you had to have aggression, but never anger. And yeah. you seem to really understand the nuance that separated the two emotions because they can quite often cloud one another. Yeah, they can. And the weird thing is I've never been angry when I've been in a, in a work situation that dictates fighting and violence I've never I can categorically say I've never been angry because it would never it's almost like taught out of you to to be like that but you know I did it you know in the past I found myself getting angry at the most ridiculous of things stubbing your toe actually you're probably allowed to get angry at stubbing your toe that's pretty pretty brutal but you know just things just the little things I would get angry at and I was you know it wasn't right, and it took a while for me to realise that. And maybe that was so my... You could handle the big stuff, the enormous stuff. You just yeah. couldn't handle the little stuff in life. Yeah, I think I was happy. I was happy with the chaos. I felt 
Yeah. When things sound or feel like they're going to go chaotic, I feel like I'm like, yay, here we go. <laughs> this is where I'm at. This is, this, so this that's is when you I'm shine. Going. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, yeah, so there that's, we go. That... that's the shining moment is chaos. Yeah. Which in so, so many ways, it's a bit like, you know, when you see these young men and women have, I don't know, successful acting careers or, or careers in music and everything's amazing and then it stops in their like late 20s, early 30s. And you go, Shh, like, that is that the best years of my life behind me? Do you think in some, so many ways, being serving in the special forces, there was an element of that, that you're never going to get those highs, that level of adrenaline again? Yeah, you do, um, you think it's the end. And I think a lot of people go through that, whether it's whether athletes, professional, you know, like you've just mentioned, actors, Anyone that's enjoyed their career and a career that is... Yeah, athletes is a really good example. Yeah, and a career that is never going to last longer than, you know, 20, if you're lucky, 30 years, because it's just not, it's not practical. Then you are always going to be like, oh, that's it. It's over. That's that's the best years Mm -hmm. of my life gone. Now, the reason that becomes depressive is because that person adopts that mindset. Oh, that's it. My best years are done. When actually it's just like, right, that's that chapter done. What are the next ones looking like? Now I, I adopted the old, yeah. that's it now. It's over. What the, what the one thing I enjoyed, the one thing that I was good at is now gone. What's the point? And I did adopt that mindset for a bit and it was terrible for me. But then, you know, now I'm not like that. I'm like, right, okay, this is me. I'm getting, a, I'm getting older as we go, but, how am I going to keep myself, you know, excited and enjoying life? And, you know, that's the fun of it. That's the journey. You know, I don't know all the answers. None of us do. But it's about having that approach to anything you do that it, you want to turn it into a fun, enjoyable experience. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. (laughs) 
I'm going to talk to you about the power of reinvention. I think, you know, what we've touched on there is the challenges and the wins that it brings when you are forced to re-identify who you are. So you knew exactly who you were. You were good at being a soldier. It's where you shone. The chaos brought out the very best in you. And then suddenly, the only battlefield that you were attending to was the one in your own mind because you were without identity, to some degree purpose, away from the structure of of life in the forces. And it took you to the very edge. I mean, you, you write in your book about wanting to take your own life. So how did you begin to re-identify and reinvent yourself? And how can that be passed to other people that come and watch your shows or listen to this podcast? Because I think all of us are called upon at times to reimagine, reinvent, re-identify who we are. So it's a big question. Um, the mm. first, there's a few stages to coming up with an answer and the answer is different in everyone but you've got to accept so in reinvention you've got to accept that something has obviously come or is coming to its natural finish point whether you think it's natural or not it is it's just the way it is then you've got to be honest with yourself about how you feel about that and allow yourself to grieve as well because a lot of people are like i shouldn't be feeling like this but if you if you naturally feel a certain way, that is your body telling you that that's how you feel. And we always try and suppress grief or sadness, but ultimately we should probably embrace it a bit more and be like, okay, I feel sad. That's because this has happened and it's, you know, not happy with it, but because if we accept that a little bit more, then it gives us the opportunity to move forward. So that's the honesty thing, being honest with yourself, honest about your emotions and not trying to hide them. You know, I, I tried to hide for a long time from myself that I actually was suffering psychologically. I kept, I was just lying to myself about, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, I've admitted it, but not really going to address it. Uh, then you've got to treat life as a journey. Now, as far as I'm concerned, a journey's got to be fun. It, it's hard but it should predominantly be fun. You're going to meet a lot of people on the way. Some of them you might like, some of them you might not. It doesn't matter. It's all part of the tapestry. And you will learn something from all of them, whether it's whether it's a way not to do something or, in the good way, the way to do something. So I think a lot of about the reinvention thing is, is accepting, being honest, and then you know going on a journey and turning it into fun. Only we can... Only we are in charge of how we feel and we can change how we feel by rethinking. Do you know what I mean? I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. To a degree. I think if you're clinically depressed, you you probably don't have that power over your own ability to change the way you think. But I think fundamentally, absolutely, you're right. If you're clinically depressed, that's correct. But like the only person in the end that is going to fix you is you that like yeah the, the the there's lots of people that can help you but if if you are in a in a period where you don't want to be fixed you won't be fixed you've got there has to be that po- point in time where you're like right now i need to really dig deep and there is no magic wand there is no easy way to fix mental health you have to put in graft and it isn't 
a quick process and the, the sooner you're like right okay it's going to be a bit of hard work I think the sooner you will get yourself out of it and you'll be in a better place personally but you've got to recognize it's work for a start right in the states they call yeah. it I've done some work on myself right and they, they call it that for a reason and yeah. we just think that if by going to the appointments and sitting there and talking to somebody that you're going to come out magically with all the answers and no. I mean it just doesn't work like that it's that they give you the tools to and a therapy session is something that happens within the hour but should go on inside your head for days weeks sometimes months as you the, the therapy put together session the puzzle of your mind yeah the therapy session is like yeah. the lesson and then the rest of it's homework you got, <laughs> you're you, so right you got you got to do your homework <laughs> after that they've they've given you some stuff and then you got to do something with that stuff exactly yeah and that's the stuff that's that's the tricky bit. But along yeah. the way, you thought you said it. You know, life should be fun. When did you start to feel that the fun had come back into your world again? Was it when you were back in sort of more familiar territory, like you know, help assisting crews in hostile environments? You know, that that must have felt a bit more like your old playground. Yeah. So not long before doing getting that job, I reconnected with a lot of my mates that were cl- that I was close to. So predominantly military, but some of them not met some new mates and um, just started to have fun again. And, you know, a mate of mine, Aldo, excuse me, he he gave me the job just off the coast of Madagascar working for a production crew, looking after them. And I was like, this is awesome. I love this. You know, I'm, I'm back in the mix. I'm doing something. I've got purpose. This is my new identity. And I finished that job, needing that job. I needed it. It was definitely... A, a lifesaver. Is this the one where money. you were? Is this the one where you discovered? Where you were leading the part of the team of divers who discovered Captain Kidd's lost treasure? Yeah. So um, I wasn't leading it. I wasn't. So there was a bunch of underwater archaeologists that were looking for stuff. Then I was the underwater cameraman's dive buddy. So all I was supposed to be doing was looking after him when he filmed stuff. Me and him got bored one day, went di- went and dived on a pirate shipwreck and found a bar of silver. No. <laughs> uh, because of that, it all, yeah. It was, yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Bar we found of this silver. From how long ago? Silver. 1600s, 17th century. How um, much was that worth? God knows, priceless. It's gone miss. I don't know where it is now. It's probably on the president of Madagascar's desk as a paperweight, but it's a pretty big paperweight. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But no, because of that, it mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, not into not nowhere near me. Nowhere near me. Um, <laughs> really got Just lynched. Checking. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. Um, <laughs> wow. So, so hold on, right? So you go to right, for a start. You're back in foreign climes. Yeah, which is where you'd spent the latter part of your life in service. So suddenly that must feel in itself like a return to something familiar. You're part of a team. Yeah, there's a familiarity in that. And then you're doing something that there's real jeopardy, but a shared purpose, yeah. which is we're going to dive, we're going to get to this this wreck. That must have felt so good again. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. It was a, it was a four-week trip. Mm. It was about four weeks. We, live, we were staying on this small tropical island just off Madagascar. It was, it was amazing. It was really, really good. Good people. Had a laugh. Got pissed every night. Um, and just, yeah just enjoyed it but but because I came back from that job have needing it my mate Aldo that gave me the job knew I was in a right pickle I was living on a mate's sofa I had no money and he was like I, did. I came back from that didn't know what was next and then because of that job someone was in a meeting that was like 
a development stroke commissioning meeting for what would then become SAS, who dares wins. And they were like, right, you know, this is, we're going to commission this, but where the hell are we going to find these ex special forces guys? And someone was like, well, maybe we should phone this guy, Foxy. Uh, he's just been out in Madagascar. So that's how it sort of came around. There's a, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's how, you know, that's sort of in a nutshell what happened. Um, and I was like, well, yeah. I, okay. had a similar, I had a similar show experience, not quite at the level that you worked at. Um, but 20 years ago, I did a show called Lads Army. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, I loved that show. And then they turned it into Bad Lads Army, That's right, yeah. which was a shame. Mm -hmm. But it was basically calling up what would effectively be classed as disaffected youths, right? Mm -hmm. And putting them through old school... Um, oh, gosh, what's the word for it? Uh before you go into the army? Uh, national service. National service. Oh, my God. National Jesus service. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like I'm unistub yeah. sometimes and give us a clue. Mm. Um, <laughs> I've got it, though. <laughs> welcome to the midlife woman, Foxy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was all about that. About what, would, what would it do for the nation if we called these young men back to national service? I have to say... It was transformative. They're still in touch now, 20 years yeah. on. They they still do reunions. I still hear from them. It meant enormous amounts to them all. And I could see the mm. genuine benefits of it. But to be suddenly tugged out of that must be, I mean, A, heartbreaking, but B, to then thrust be thrust into something that feels like, oh, that, that feels like that again. That must have been very exciting. It was really exciting. And then the chance to put it all together. Yeah, it was really exciting. It was... I didn't know what was coming after that Madagascan trip, to be honest. And when I first got asked to do the show that would then become SAS, I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, then I remembered I needed... Then, uh, because I wasn't I wasn't happy with the way it sat with me, as in being an ex-Special Forces soldier and being in front of the camera. I mean, at first I was like, well, right. you're obviously going to pixelate my face. And they were like, no. They're like, that doesn't engage, it's not engaging. The audience don't don't like it. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I sort of spoke to a few people and I was like, it just doesn't, I don't know. I just don't know. And then a mate of mine was like, mate, you, you're living on your mate's sofa. You know, you've got, you haven't got a pot to pee in. Like, what, what, if you don't do it, someone else is. And it's up to you to make a good job of it. And I was like, okay, I see what you're saying. So we went through this whole rigmarole of conversation that went on for about two weeks. And then I was like, right, let's do it. Just accept that you're going to do it. That there might be a bit of, bit of hate come your way, but ultimately I'm doing it because, and the reason I was doing it, there's a couple of reasons. One, I was discharged from the military PTSD. That meant any job that my career would lend itself to, I couldn't get because I'm seen as being a bit mad. So, you know, all the close protection stuff, working with weapons because I've got a history of mental health. They're not going to give me those jobs that give me secure, give me ironically yeah, security. And so I was struggling because of that. And then the other reason mm. was because I thought, right, there's an opportunity here for me to have a platform to talk about my mental health. And in turn, maybe that resonates somewhere. And so that's what happened. And oh yeah. And I needed to pay the bills. I was running out of dollar. So, Big time. Yeah. With children to feed and, you know, life to uphold and support. Um, who put the crew together? Were you the first to get the call? Um, I, there was, there's been a couple of people actually in the mix. Uh, I was one of, yeah, I was one of the first. Uh, a couple of people dropped out. 
then me and Ollie got, we were on board. I was like, okay, do you need more people? They were like, yes. I just reconnected with Ollie after years of not seeing him. He disappeared off the face of the planet. Uh, got him on. Then me and him went away on a recce with uh, a couple of the um, crew. And we sort of like did the sort of bulk of looking at locations in Wales and coming up with a loose training program, which then got developed and, yeah, and then the others came on board. We we went out, went back to Wales to then start the prep, and then we went and rolled straight into the shoot. And it was a brand new experience, and I was like, "This is awesome." Uh, and I, but I genuinely thought it would be one of these flash in the pan shows that would resonate with a small community and then fade into obscurity. And I genuinely thought that. Although one of the directors, actually, I remember we were, we'd just finished filming. We we're walking down the main road of the location. And he's like, how do you lads feel about this? And I was like, yeah, it's all right, wasn't it? And he was like, he goes, this is going to be big. And I'm like, you reckon? And he's like, we've seen everything. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I thought, what the hell does he know? Anyway, he was right to a certain degree. Do you know what? I had, I had to judge it for uh, Royal Television Society Awards. So when you agree to judge on the RTS Awards, they send you 25... 30 shows that yeah. then get shortlisted. You have to watch all of them. And I, it, you know, I would never have sat down and opted to hit download on a show called SAS. No. Because it's just probably not where I'd spend probably the one hour a day I sit in front of the telly. No, neither would I if it makes you feel better. No, well, well, well I don't know. The, the, yeah, I mean, the more of a busman's holiday for you, I suppose. But, oh my God, I was obsessed. <laughs> I ended up... Well, really? Obviously devouring every episode. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I think... Did you win that year? I think you did. I remember being in the judges' room and nobody being able to f- pick a hole. We've never we've never won anything. We've been nominated, but we never, we've never won anything. Well, that's outrageous. I thought it was marvellous. In that first series, there was, there was a guy that... Um, the, I don't know, a, a Welsh guy. First ever series. You were in a jungle. I know this is not helpful, but... I just saw the impact you had on him. You, you managed to break and remake people on that show yeah. in a way that was unlike anything else. And it was very powerful. Yeah, it, it, was great. it is good. I do enjoy it. It's good seeing the people overcome their their barriers. And it's only them that overcome it. We're just there to facilitate the journey. Well, that's not entirely true. You do a little bit more than that, I'd say. <laughs> and what's it like to be reunited with some of your old colleagues? Because you've got, I know Ant's been on the show before. He was SBS as well. Yeah. Um, did you serve with Ant? Yeah, vaguely. You with Ollie? He's, a bit, he's a bit younger than me. Uh, yeah, Ollie as well. There's all. There's been crossover with all of them. But me and Billy, he was in at the same time, and um, so we, yeah, we've all served together or at the same time. We've all seen each other, bumped into each other, that sort of stuff. Do you, are you happy with where you've landed in terms of your reinvention now? Do you like Foxy as he stands in 2023? Have you learned to forgive and accept? all of the iterations that went before in order for you to become who you are now? Yeah, I think so. I, um, I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm, I'm always striving to be a better version of me. I'm always going to get me- mess things up every now and again. I hope not. And I just, when I do, I want to learn from them. So I hope I'm an all right person to be around and I don't mind my own company. So I'm happy at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Are you ready for your third and final question? Yeah, let's go. Plot twists. 
from finding a career in the special forces to fame on the telly to marrying recently congratulations by the way um when has life thrown you some plot twists that changed everything the kind of stuff that you could never have planned for when crikey um i mean the biggest plot twist was definitely leaving the military i wasn't ready to do that it was it happened Mm. and it happened quickly that's the biggest twist because i didn't i didn't see myself leaving i thought i was gonna have a a much longer career and I wanted to. So that was, that's the major twist. I mean, there's loads of little ones in between, but I've never really been overwhelmed by them. I was, so you hadn't seen that coming? No, I didn't. Even when I, wow. even when I went and presented myself to psychological professionals, because I felt a bit different, I didn't think I'd be leaving. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave even when I left. I just accepted that that must have been what's happening. So, yeah, that was definitely the biggest twist. Uh, But it's taught me to realise that, you know, anything can change at the drop of a hat. So it's been beneficial to me massively. I've made that twist has turned into a lesson. Well, you said before that you, you had never considered that your mind would go before your body. And with that came a sort of sense of shame for you mm. to the point that you didn't even tell your colleagues that you'd been discharged with PTSD. You said it was tinnitus. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you were clearly still struggling to come to terms with it all. That That's that's a real shame. And, and the fact that you've then gone on to speak about your struggles with mental health, that then kind of ruled you out of any work really in close protection. You were forced to go and find this really quite extreme new identity mm. in as much as it's as close to, to your old one, but you're like in the public eye because what most men do leaving the the regiments that you'd served in was to go and work as a close protection officer or with weapons. But you, because of because of the PTSD, you knew you were never going to get those gigs. Mm. So that was that was really, I mean, that's a shit pie right there. Yeah, it was, it was... I don't know what I was expecting, to be honest. And um, I can remember being told, you know, when I when I said, look, I'm obviously ill, what 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 needs to happen? And, you know, there was a few professionals there and they said, look, the one thing that will fix you is for you to leave the military. And I was like, really? I said, like, I don't want to do that. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, you've come to that time now. And it's like, what? And I, I kicked back on it. Because I knew the outcome wouldn't be good, you know. The, I knew that it would stop me doing a lot of things that I could potentially do. And then it got to the point where I was struggling, you know. I was in a deep bout of depression, and I ended up going back to the work, get back to them, and saying, "Look, you're obviously right. Let's let's go." And then within about two months, I was done. And then I, you know, I woke up the next that next morning when I was officially a civilian, and I felt worse because <laughs> I, I basically wasn't part of something anymore. But um, yeah, that started the journey. But ultimately that, yeah, that's the plot twist. But it's yeah. it's worked in my favour. Do you know what I mean? It's it's forced me to look at a a very diverse approach to where I'm and what I'm doing going forward. Because it is, you know, I never saw this, this, this world coming. And you know what? It's really powerful that certainly for so many men, men that don't open up and talk about how they feel and could really benefit from doing so. First of all, they sort of fell in love with you as Foxy from SAS. And then you start talking about this. There was real power in that. That was that was a sucker punch you delivered right there because it's like, whoa, hold on. Mm. So, 
oh, you did? And you think therapy's good? And, oh, right, and you're not infallible? I mean, it's probably hard to measure how much good will come of that. Are you, are you in any way aware of, how, of that? Is it tangible to you in any way? About the impact? Yeah, on everyday men that came to you not because they wanted mental health advice, just because they wanted to be like you. And then when you start to talk, they're like, oh... I mean, you must have helped a lot of men without even helping a lot of men, you know? I hope so. I, um, I'm aware of it to the degree that I get messages and I'm very grateful for those. I'm humbled by it. Uh, mm. I don't know what I thought was going to come from it. I just thought... I genuinely thought it was just the right thing to do, I think. And that's why I did it. And then I, I, I you know, I... I was scared about doing it, but I, there was something inside me that said, you've got to do this. And then it just sort of, yeah, it went okay. It's got more than okay. You're on your second mm. sellout tour. Um, tickets are available now. There's two books. There's a Netflix documentary series. There's the 48 Hours With show, which are on Channel 4 at the moment, on 4OD, where you spend 40, 48 hours with Rob Delaney. What a lovely man. And uh, Maya Jama. And she is as well. Uh, nice to see her in your environment by the way <laughs> I, I wish you nothing but success with whatever comes next and do keep the conversation going when it comes to men and their mental health because um, I honestly think that you, you've, you're doing way more good than you could ever probably even begin to anticipate or imagine so thank you for no, your time thanks today. very much A huge thanks to Foxy and if you'd like to go and join him for an evening to hear about his life at the limit well tickets are available wherever you get your tickets right now and for more tales of extraordinary adventures you can find episodes with adventurer Simon Reeve in our back catalogue as well as Craig Doll, who talks to us about going to Belize and getting drunk with Cameron Diaz and Middleton's in there giving his own take on his experience both in the special forces and working alongside Foxy on SAS and Andrew McLean's in there talking about how breaking down on SAS was ultimately the making of her. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.